What do you get when two people who say they hear God have a conversation? The answer is a very weird conversation. Normally, I have a theme that enables me to title each episode. That didn't happen for this one. Demerick started by telling us about his practice of praying and hearing God, and then the conversation went so many other ways. To simplify things, I decided to just title it, The One Where We Got Controversial. It's a nod to one of my favorite sitcoms. Send me a message if you know the reference. In this episode, we talk about God disrupting church service programs, the emergence of soul care hospitals, the enemy working in government, and how the modern church has created a bunch of overthinkers by relying on an overabundance of teaching gifts. This week's episode is jam-packed with enough to offend almost every type of religious spirit. So, you've been warned. Let's get back to the conversation. Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawa, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans 8.19 says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show. I go out every day and um, take my dog out on a walk and I ride my bike on a slow pedal behind him, beside him so he could do a, a trot. So he gets enough exercise. This is when I pray out loud to the Lord. And so I'll start out usually praying in tongues um, to really engage my spirit. And then I begin to pray out loud. I'll praise God. I'll worship him. And then I let the Holy Spirit really lead me in how I'm going to pray that day. On a regular basis, probably every day, I should say, I do send the spirit force out, which is the army of heaven to do certain tasks that I know they're supposed to do. But there's a lot in there too. There's listening. Um, there's being attuned to God's spirit. And so God gives me daily manna, as you were saying. And so this morning, this is just an example, just because it's happened today. I could probably tell you if I thought about it, what he gave me yesterday. But today, the thing that struck me was we're moving into a day of where he is elevating us, me specifically, but I believe this includes others who are seeking this, is in the ability to make decisions that in one day that would accomplish what it's supposed to that normally would have taken a year. So we're going to start bundling the impact of decisions and their outcomes into one day versus a year. So in other words, there's an accelerate what people would say, well, that's an acceleration of time. It's an acceleration of impact. It's it's really the dunamis. It's the power of the Holy Spirit now entering into our days in a unique way in which those decisions, when they're spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and it's for God's purposes. Whatever we do that day will be a year's worth of work of how we looked at it in the past. And we're going to be blown away by it. But those are the days we're supposed to walk in. God's going to do this by his spirit. He is the one that spoke all things into creation. He is the one that fashioned us. He is the one that can speak one word today and it changes everything. Amen. And so that is who we connect into. And it's us saying, Lord, I surrender all. I want your will, not my will, but yours be done. When we move into that place and when then we say, Lord, take over my thinking. 
Help me to think your thoughts. I've been thinking my own thoughts. I know what I want. I know what I think I need. But you actually know. You put these dreams in my heart. Are these dreams, though, the right dreams for now? Some dreams are for now. Some dreams are for later. Some dreams are for heaven. They're not necessarily wrong dreams. God gives us the desires of our heart. He just doesn't say he'll satisfy them all right now. So he's putting desires in my heart. But it's for me to know by discernment, Lord, what comes first, second, third, and what am I to focus on today? And then in that, if I do the right things, if I am blessing the right people, if I'm encouraging others in the way that God has called me to this day, if I'm giving my life away the best I can, which we're all going to fail. But if I'm doing that, I know that the outcomes are going to be according to what he desires, because now I'm sowing in the way that I'll get a harvest that he is looking for. And you mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to just touch on this, is that I used to struggle with the laws of God or the commands of God as well, until someone shifted this in my thinking that a better translation of law for English speakers is is the word instructions. These are God's instructions. And so like instructions that you get with some type of device that you go out and buy, you can get instructions on how to set it up. You could ignore the instructions and you could mess it up. You could even break it, have to take it back. Or you could read the instructions on how to use it or the recipe if you're making something, and then you could learn how to do it right. And so God's instructions work. He is the maker of life, and he's like, this is how life goes well. You ignore the instructions, you're going to have a lot of pain in the process. And pain can be a good teacher, but it's not what God had chosen for us. He wasn't choosing pain as the teacher. He was choosing to instruct us that we might actually avert that pain because he knew at the every at the end of every one of those sins, no matter how small it may seem, was pain. Pain for us, pain for others, and pain for him because we had chosen to separate ourselves from him. And then, of course, if we're in sin, we open ourselves up to the enemy even more so. Doors and windows in the spiritual realm in which we can be traumatized by him as well. So all of those things were given for our benefit because he loves us. But yet, it's because we thought, well, this is something I have to do. This is something I can't do. That we had this negative view of God as though he was trying to lord his power over us, not realizing, no, he loves us so much that he even told us this is how it will go well with us. So we should probably follow it if we want things to go well with us. You mentioned something to me before we started recording the episode, which I would like to start touching on, um, that you see trauma centers being created for mental illness and and trauma um, wounds. Um, people are struggling uh, more than ever before. I, I, I've talked to therapists, professional therapists, and they said they've never seen anything like it. I had one of my good friends, um, Andrea Garwood, on uh, one of my episodes, and she said it's so busy and people are hurting so badly that she feels guilty to take vacation because the people need help, you know? And so uh, she feels like this is her calling and that she needs to be there for them. Um, I had, I'm going to share something kind of controversial here. I'm just sharing my thoughts. This podcast is uh, conversations and it's, it's my thoughts. Um, take it or leave it, whatever you want to do, pray about it. But I'm going to talk about what is inside of me. Uh, and so I had um, some 
private time with God. And he showed me, or he told me, I believe he told me, that there is going to be such a disruption in the church of how services are held that if you took someone now and they time traveled to what services will be in the future, they wouldn't know it's a church service. That's how different it's going to be. What that is, I have no idea. That's just what I heard. I did have um, a feeling that a lot of it is good, was going to be centered around fellowship. Like people were going to connect like deeply, like they're not now. Because right now you could enter a church and, and not talk to anybody. And they didn't even know you were there. Um, and, and that's just the Western church right now. It's like, go get your coffee. The, the, you have someone greet you at the door. Hey, don't go get your coffee. Go into the sanctuary and then leave. And then go about your business. But like what I saw, um, what I heard from the spirit was like, there's coming a disruption. And even the way that uh, things were going to be held, who knows? Maybe worship is not going to be at the beginning of the service. Maybe worship's going to be totally different. Maybe it's not going to be a band on an, on an auditorium. I don't know. Whatever God wants to do, let him do it. But I, I, I had a feeling it was going to be centered around incredible is it koinonia? Koinonia. Um, but I would like you to talk about that trauma center. And if you would like to talk about how the church is going to change any visions you have, I would love you to know that too. I believe in 2012, we crossed over from what's called the church age into the kingdom age. Now, when you have a, when you have a overlaying of different epochs, think of plate tectonics. So you got two plates sitting on top of each other. There is a great shaking in the transition. So we were entering in and beginning the new epoch when we were leaving the old epoch of the church age to the kingdom age. In that, there is shaking, and the shaking has not reached its most pinnacle point. Uh, there is a great shaking coming for the church and for the entire world. It is absolutely necessary. It is from God, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken is what the scripture says. And God does this because he loves us because sometimes we are so bound that we don't even know we are. And the only way to get that which is bound us, the chains off us, is to shake them off. And so in that, he changes traditions. He changes ways in which we thought we were doing it right when it was that that we thought was doing right that was causing us to be bound we think of all the people today that are dealing with mental health issues and trauma. Well, big part of it's their devices. Those uh, things that they are bringing into their eyes and their ears through their phones or, or their TV or their laptop, whatever they're using for input, they don't realize that that's the place of a lot of their trauma. Even taking in too much information in day, even if it could be seemingly positive or, or neutral, it's going to cause trauma because we cannot process that much. We live in a time period where more people get um, where people get more bad news in one day than you could get in 10 years, 100 years ago. Yeah. So the amount of trauma that every person is undergoing per day, our minds were not meant for that. So we have to stay in the Word. We have to stay in the Scripture. I believe that God is going to raise up what we would call soul care centers or soul hospitals that will be run by believers 
who understand how to help people out of their trauma and so that they can be healed from their trauma so that they might change their thinking. Because for a lot of them, it's not what happened to them or that they did that's causing them to stay stuck. It's the lies associated with it, right? It's the lie they're believing. They're being deceived. A lot of times what it does is it deceives them into to a, believing an identity that is not true of right. I'm a horrible person. I'm ugly. Well, if you start to believe those things, you're going to operate differently. You're going to make different decisions out of it. I can't do this. Well, if I believe I can't do something, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be angry. Right. That's going to cause other sins. So we have to get free of those beliefs that are false. Amen. False identity beliefs and then those other beliefs. And then as we move into this new uh, kingdom age, I completely agree with you that churches are not going to look the same. The word for work, worship is avoda in the Old Testament. Avoda is the same word for work and worship. Our work is our worship. So even in that, people will have a recognition. The worship is so much more than just singing. It can be. If, if, if I'm devoting myself, it can be everything I do during the day. That's how we operate as a living sacrifice, saying I am doing every part of my day for Jesus. There's no part of my day that I take off from Jesus. If I'm doing that, then I'm choosing rebellion at that moment. And consequently, I need to quickly move into uh, repentance so that I can restore the relationship with Jesus so that we're not separated in that moment in relationship. I'm not separated for, from him for eternity because I sinned. But in my ability to actually have a relationship with him, that needs to be taken care of because I have brought sin into the relationship. And so as much as possible, we sit before the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, search me. Where am I off? And then we, we go through that process and we repent. And then the Lord, he's going to shift the church services because what we have is, I look at the church today. And we have a bunch of teachers leading the church. But according to the pattern that Paul gave us in Ephesians 4, it's apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Some people call it the apes for the shore, or uh, other people will call it the fivefold ministry. But apostles today, many of the apostles are not in the church. Well, where are they? They're CEOs. They're entrepreneurs. Preach. They are the people who are out there visioneering and creating new things. And then they have a bunch of people that they lead and they empower them to get the work done, but they're not doing all the work. They're the church planter, so to speak. That's what Paul was. So the apostle, they're sent one. But if you go back to the original word of what an apostle was, it was basically a general who would lead the rest of the ecclesia. And the ecclesia were the cultural um, group of people. They, they were in the enculturators that after Rome would conquer a land, they knew if they did not go there and bring the the language, the customs, the values of Rome, the ways they did things into that land, that land would rebel. So quickly what they would do is they would send an ecclesia, which was led by an apostle, which was a general. So they'd bring the military in with the acculturators, all the trainers, teachers, and everybody. And they would enculturate the new conquered king area for the kingdom, for the kingdom of Rome at that time. And so that's what Jesus was using was that language that people are already familiar with is an ecclesia came in, a delegation, and they changed the customs and all, everything about this land to make it like Rome. And Jesus saying, make it all like the kingdom of heaven. So that's what he's telling us. So when we think of the ecclesia, the church, is what we translate it to as the enculturators of the values, the customs, the ways, the language of heaven. And then we are doing that in every part of our life. That changes how we do everything. So now if you bring apostles back into the church, now if you bring the prophets back into the church, the prophets today are sometimes in law, they're truth tellers, 
they can be teachers, but they're in different places. Uh, they can be in media. You'll find the evangelists in sales. They do a lot of selling. You'll find the shepherds in counseling and in helping people with trauma and such. The, you'll find them in medicine and other areas. And then the teachers, those are a little bit more obvious. But if you use a hand diagram, a hand illustration, the thumb is the apostle. It's what holds everything together. And we absolutely need apostles. The index finger is the prophet and points the way. The middle finger is the long finger and it's the it's the outreach. It reaches the farthest out. So it's the one that's doing evangelism. And the ring finger is the one that has to do with covenant and promise and marriage and all of those things. And that's where you have the shepherd or also known as the pastor in the church. And then you have the teacher and the teacher is the one that can itch the ear inside the ear. It's the only finger that we can use to get inside of our ear actually. So that's the where the term scratching or itching ears comes from for teachers. But what happened in the church was we had teachers who assumed the role of all five. So the, the enemy came in to see this, inverted the platform. We created traditions and a methodology in which we said, this is what church looks like. And it became very passive. And the ecclesia was always meant to be activated and put into the position of, it says about the apest that the apest was given to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, what's the ministry? The ministry is that when the kingdom comes into a place, now we're acculturating that place with all the values, the customs, the ways, the language of heaven. So that is not happening in the church and you have to practice in the church. You practice inside the community meeting you go to, the faith community meeting you go to on a regular basis. If you don't practice, you're not going to practice outside of that experience. And so it has to go to a much more interactive model. We have to move to the point where we're doing what the scripture says, where we are sharing testimonies with one another because those testimonies are going to allow us all to overcome. But we're not hearing other people's stories when we're there. We're primarily hearing teacher. I think better models would be that we don't have hardly any teaching at those events because there's plenty of teaching available now everywhere. People are being taught, and if they need teaching, we find out if they need teaching, we get them teaching. But we allow them to have the interaction where the things that they have learned, they know they are to practice, they get to practice. So I want and hope that we move to more of a practice type of form than just an intake type of form as wow. we currently are in. Now, that... Um, that is just that you kind of just blew my mind. And that's why, folks, this is why I do this podcast. Well, part of it, number one is obedience. God told me to do it. But I just love good conversation. If that's all I get from this podcast is good conversation, I'm okay with it. But um, I that is a mind-blowing concept because... I imagine if we were to look at the bride of Christ now walking down a sidewalk, it would be severely limping and crippled because only certain body parts are working. It's so disjointed. And um, I think because of the state of the world, especially here in the Western culture where I live, um, Thing you in order to survive, you have to be compartmentalized. But I um, and that's that's a survival thing, right? Um, in, in order to survive life, but that we are not meant to be compartmentalized like that. And everything is supposed to be working together. Um, when you compartmentalize, you're a different person in church than you are outside of church, and that's just not gonna do anymore. It's not gonna cut it. Um, we're wearing masks and we're not showing people who we really are. And so that God is going to make it safe again. 
God is going to, but it's going to take brave people to lead the way. It's going to take us being brave in order to end into, enter into safety, kind of like it's going to take work to enter the rest, right? Um, but I just believe God is doing something amazing. And I love that flip the classroom kind of thing that you said. I love it because you're right. Like, I think we're so addictive, addicted to knowledge that we think we're doing something <laughs> when we study. Yeah. We'll buy books and not read it. Just, and we think that's good enough. Oh, I own it. I bought it, you know? Um, but like our lives aren't showing. It's not doing. It's all kind of in this ball lightning form. <laughs> and we need it to explode. Uh, and so, gosh, I love that idea of flipping the classroom. That's awesome. Flipping the church. Yeah. I, I believe this is what's in the Lord's heart. And there will be many more things that he reveals to his church. Because as you were saying about the bride of Christ right now, I think the bride isn't looking so good. Right. Uh, Jesus did give us a parable too about the 10 virgins. Half of them were wise. And why were they wise? Because they sought the oil of the spirit. And the other half were not wise because they weren't seeking the oil of the spirit, which is going to come with an anointing and a wisdom and an understanding to do these things and to bring them about. And so we need as the entire church to be seeking God's spirit, right? to be asking for him to pour himself out into us. And then through us, that we might be a blessing others. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And in those things, I also believe that many people have what I believe is a false narrative of eschatology. The end times is what eschatology is. They believe that things are going to get worse. We serve a conquering king who is victorious in all ways, and he lives within us. So the only way it gets worse is if we come into agreement with the enemy. The way it gets better is when we counter the enemy's narrative, which is always full of, full of lies and deception. So I have what's called the victorious eschatology, and I believe that not only does God win in the end, he's winning now. Yeah. And he won at the cross, and he will always win, and he never loses. If there's any losses in there, it's because we're giving up ground and because we're agreeing with the enemy. The only way the enemy ever wins is we have to agree with him. We agree with him through his deceptions, and we have to stop. So therefore, we have to... Say like Paul, we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Most of the church is unaware of the enemy's schemes. We have to get back to being aware of what the enemy's schemes are. We do not give props to them. We do not fear them. But when we know what the enemy's going to do, it's really easy to disrupt it right. and even prevent it by our prayer, by our obedience, and by awareness. When people know what's happening, it changes. And if we don't think that this is happening on a macro level, then we're deceived there. It just doesn't have enough happen on the micro level. A lot of times believers will speak about a spiritual attack and they're talking about themselves or they might mention their family. They don't think about a spiritual attack over the entire globe and how it's affecting the entire globe. Well, what's happening in the entire globe? If we're believing the leaders of the globe don't think that the enemy's gone to the top of the government mountain globally to try to control everything globally, then we're blind. Right. We've been living under a one-world government for hundreds of years already. So when people are worried about the one-world government, guess what? We're in it. They've been in it for a long time. What God's trying to do is to undo the global government because God created the nations. 
and the nations are for his glory. He does not want a boundaryless world. When people believe that, oh, we're supposed to move to one world, this one world, that without boundaries, God's like, not at all. I created the nations and they glorify me as the nations. Jesus inherits the nations. Yeah. So we do not want to go with an anti-biblical narrative that globalism is good. It's not good. It's not good. It's good for us to trade and to interact with other cultures, but it's not good to try to create one culture, one, right. one language and all those things that the globalists want to do when God said, no, I made it this way. It's for my glory. Right. We are not trying to take away what God as believers, hopefully what he wanted to do. So these are just little areas of awareness that if we start to grow on them, we start to say, okay, I am stealing someone else's dignity if I'm trying to turn them into something that God said they are not. Amen. Amen. We're taking away identity. Identity is under attack. I, I Gosh, you know, um, I, I read um, the story of how, um, I didn't research or anything, but I, I, I guess in, in according to the article, Berlin, um, there were hundreds of people that showed up uh they had a, like a meetup of people who identify as dogs and um so many people showed up that they had to they had to call in the authorities uh they even called in animal control because the people the dogs are i mean the people were barking at people and stuff like that but we have such a an identity problem now um you know we need fathers to be telling children who they are instead of letting, letting kids choose what they want to be. We need fathers telling, directing men, masculine men telling, man, we are getting controversial. I can't believe we're talking this in my podcast, but hey, um, yes, yeah. we need masculine men telling children. I, I heard like, like um, and I again, this is not something that I studied. Again, this is a conversation. You do your own research, but um, I, I heard this, um, that Jewish kids don't struggle with identity as much as other races because they have this bar mitzvah where they are spoken into saying, this is who you are. That's right. That's right. I agree with that. What we have failed to do is to reinforce the identity of who people are and who God says they are. God has the first and final word on identity. When God created men and women, he created the male and female, and it starts first spiritually. We were first a little boy spirit or a little girl spirit when God put us in the womb into the zygotes and that it took on formation. He does it all perfectly. Of course, we have the right genes going into it. So you don't have a male spirit inside of a female body. That's just not a mistake that God would ever make. He's perfect. So what people do in their life because of trauma, because of lies they're believing, they come to believe that they are something that they actually aren't because they're not finding fulfillment at what they currently think they are because they have a wrong view of themselves and the world. And when they get in this current cultural climate, when they get rewarded for behavior, that if you're told, hey, we will celebrate you if you choose to be someone you aren't, they will do that because that's what they've been longing for the whole time. 
they're using this type of psychological manipulation, psychological warfare. You go read psychological warfare, there's at least 58 different types that you can find. I think it needs to be taught in school so that we know when we're being deceived or being manipulated, but they're using this psychological warfare through social media, they're using it in the classroom, and now it's become reverberating through the culture in such a way that people believe that we celebrate those who are actually choosing to be something they are not. And that's not what we should be celebrating all along. We should have been celebrating who people are, who God says they are. So what you're saying is the very thing that God put within the traditions of the Hebrew culture, that it would be a reinforced as a child so that when they had the coming of age at 12 for boys, and I think it's 13 for girls in their bat mitzvah, that they would know who they are whose they are and who they are. And that identity is the very beginning of them being able to fulfill their destiny. A wrong identity will end in wrong works every time. Yeah. If we have a right identity, we will do the right works. So people who are choosing to live in a false identity, even though they would say, this is who I want to be, they will do the wrong works afterwards. They will have the wrong outcomes. And ultimately, they will be in pain emotionally. They may not tell you that right away. But they will come to a point of where they will know that they've made a mistake in taking on a false identity. Because God is clear in the scripture that we reap what we sow. So we have bad seed, we're going to get a bad harvest. And it will come out at some point in our life, whether we like it or not. For most people who are choosing some of those, what they will find is addiction after addiction after addiction. And they will go to those who agree with them, who are walking in the same sense, so that they might have reinforcement that they didn't make a right decision. But what they're going to have to grapple with once again is they had bad discernment. This is why we're going to need the trauma healing centers because in all these uh, soul care hospitals, because we're going to have a lot of people coming out of trauma when they have a revelation that they believe to lie about themselves that was so catastrophic for them that they could have actually mutilated their their physical bodies. And they're going to say, Lord, what do I do for some of those people? And I praise God for this. They are going to have supernatural repair. God will give them a new whatever they had taken off and he will repair them. It'll be supernatural. It'll be like limbs growing and such um, that God does. And he's going to increasingly do, but we're just not going to lean into that. We want to prevent people from walking into that now, not just wait on the future of those days. They are coming and they are here in some places. More so will they be manifest, but it also takes agreement on the body of Christ. These are the things we want to see and that we're not agreeing with the world. How many Christians... um, Decided to walk in fear during COVID. Unbelievable. Decisions were made based on fear, not based upon the spirit. God never taught us to walk by fear. So if we made decisions during COVID based upon fear, now there were some things where we felt like we had to, and that's arguable. We won't go into all those, but there were so many other Christians I talked to who are living in fear. Right. When there's no other scripture that said we would do that. So talk about identity and identity crisis. COVID allowed so many of us to know who we are and we really are. Not just what we say, but who we really are came out during COVID and it continues to be exposed right now. Yeah. Well, I'm going to respect your time. I I wanted to leave closer remarks for you. Anything you want to say? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I know last time this was at the very beginning of the first podcast that didn't get on uh, to this one, but one of the things that God has put in my heart that I'm really passionate about is that we would consider Jesus's dream. 
Jesus had this dream that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't his dream. He wouldn't have told us that. We wouldn't call it the Lord's Prayer. It wouldn't have been in three of the Gospels. And then uh, he also wouldn't have given us the Great Commission to accomplish this, that we would make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, whose name is Yahweh, which for some reason we leave that part out, that we don't use his actual name, Yahweh. But when you look at this, the question then that comes to mind and I'm specifically working with entrepreneurs and businesses right now in the marketplace. So the question that I ask businesses or aspiring entrepreneurs is, how does your business or how is this concept that you want to create a business around, how is it going to bring heaven to earth? How's it going to bring heaven to earth? So what we have to do is we got to go into heaven with Jesus. So we got to say, okay, I'm going to explore the realm of heaven with you because everything here on earth is a shadow of what is to come. We are to build and to bring heaven on earth right now. Because when we do that in finality, Jesus comes and returns. That's where that victorious theology comes in. Jesus is not coming back till we bring heaven to earth. That's what he's waiting on. He's waiting on us now. We're not waiting on him. Jesus doesn't need to save us a second time. He already saved us. It was once was sufficient. So what he's coming to do is to take his throne, his glorious throne. That's not when the new Jerusalem comes out. So we, what we have to do is we have to say, Lord, what is my role, my responsibility to bring in heaven to earth? We don't have to stop with our businesses. We can look at our marriage. How is my marriage bringing heaven to earth right now? How is my relationship with anybody, put anybody's name in there, bringing heaven to earth right now? How are my thoughts bringing heaven to earth right now? How is what I am eating and taking care of my own body bringing heaven to earth right now? Because if I get sick because of what I eat, because I'm not making good food decisions, well, then I'm weakening and now the enemy can take me out just in my health. I may not be a direct sin issue. But God was giving wisdom and understanding what I should be eating and not eating. How many seed oils am I taking into my body a day? Because the people who created them know what they do to us. They destroy us. So it's like, oh my goodness. So then we become overwhelmed with research and knowledge. And But what we do is we go to those who have wisdom in that area and say, could you help me? I don't have time to do all the research. Just tell me what to do in this area so that I can be healthy and I can... And then we sit down with others and we say, hey, would you help me really think through what the Lord is saying about how I bring heaven to earth through my business? And then we say, okay, so how is your business also going to make disciples of all nations? And then when we discover those things, if we start having businesses everywhere saying, you know what, my business is going to bring heaven to earth. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to make disciples of all nations. Here's how we're going to do it. When they can answer those questions, they have a good vision, which is the what. They have a good mission, which is the how. They have a good purpose, which is the why. They're all to glorify God. The why is always going to be to glorify God. You could put that at the end though, because sometimes it's a different why in there. Um, but to glorify God is definitely a part of that. Once we have done that and we have a good starting place, we can have good outcomes. But if we go in with just an idea that'll make money, we may end up in a ditch. We may end up building the enemy's kingdom and not the Lord's. And so in the last episode, we talked a little bit about that on the back end. So I wasn't sure how much, but just so that um, anybody who's listening to this other one, they would know that's how it connects in is that that's where we started is what are we all going to do to bring heaven to earth? And the way to do it is go up with Jesus, sit on his lap, be with the Holy Spirit, say, take me on a tour of heaven and show me what this looks like and what I'm supposed to do. You don't have to do what somebody else is supposed to do or, or a bunch of other people. Just do what he called you to do and help bring heaven to earth. Be the ecclesia, the enculturators of heaven to earth, that we would make earth look like heaven and become heaven so that it will be declared in that day that the kingdom of heaven is now the kingdom of this world. Amen. It was Jesus's desire. So let's see it come to pass. Amen. And if you're in the Orlando area, um, 
Demrick has actually been teaching um, a class on how to do this. And um, he's been doing it every Wednesday at um, at Duo 58. Um, 6.30? 6.30? 6, 6 to 9 on Wednesday. 6 to 9. One more. One more, One. yeah. But I'm, I'm going to put his information on the description of the of the pot of this episode so if you ever want to get in contact with him he's he's definitely someone who uh talks great about this subject so and just to say this all the sessions that he mentioned in enduring entrepreneurship are recorded and on video and so he will attach that rumble channel it's just rumble.com slash user slash my name demerick d-e-m-a-r-i-c-k but he'll have that also in the comments so you could go there and you could find the episodes of enduring entrepreneurship there if you were interested amen thanks for coming on you're a good friend and i'm so glad that god connected us together yes thank you so much john hey i hope you like the show if you got something from it and want to bless me back Leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and also subscribe to my channel. If you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is at kingdom.moves. I pray that God gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace. Peace.